0: We're back here with another episode of the Fantasyland Football Podcast. Uh, I'm Michael Fumafredo. This is the only show where we talk about all the players the experts aren't. And, yeah, I feel like that intro is getting a little boring. I think we should start switching it up a little bit. But season's getting started pretty soon. We're about a month out. It's end of July, come, going into August. The next episode will be officially August. But... Uh, This is crunch time now, folks. I said when I started this show seven weeks ago that there was still no time to prepare, even three months out. Now we're coming down to crunch time. I still got to rank wide receivers, tight ends, defenses, whatever I want to do, dynasty leagues. But, you know, we still got a lot of time. Leagues are starting to draft now. But most leagues will take place their drafts in the next two to four weeks throughout the month of August, maybe even that first week of September before the season actually gets underway. But there's a lot going on in the fantasy world right now. I told you last week when we ranked our top 34 running backs that these are going to be guys that most of them, if not all of them, will be starters in fantasy football lineups week one. You know, If there's a league going on with two running backs in a flex spot, 12-man league, these guys are going to be in that position. Maybe a couple wide receivers thrown in the mix at that flex position. But these are but those are all guys that I feel you're going to look to start week one. But now it's time to really hammer down your bench spot. You know, we're past like round eight in the draft. You got a couple running backs already. A couple wide receivers. Maybe a tight end or a quarterback. But the bench in fantasy football is arguably just as important as your starting lineup. Because... When you're drafting, you're drafting for a full season, not just week one. And depending on how many bench spots you got, you're really only taking five or six total running backs or wide receivers. So, And you're probably taking three or four of these guys in the top 35 that I ranked last week. So now you're down to maybe two or three in the final half of the draft when you still got to figure out who you're taking at your quarterback, maybe your tight end. Your kicker and your defense are going to take up a few positions. Maybe there's that one guy that you just can't get enough of. Like for me, it would be, I don't know, uh, Justin Fields maybe that I want to draft. And that's another spot I got to worry about taking him somewhere. And in a standard league where it's 15, 15 picks overall, it's really important to figure out where you're going to take the running backs you want. So like I said, this is probably... You're drafting around 8 to 12, maybe even 13 in your league. Uh, this is where the draft is pretty much won and lost because, to me, ADP really goes out the window. You know, in the early rounds, you're looking for the steals. You're looking for a guy that's honestly falling in the draft. You know, a guy like Josh Jacobs or Chris Carson who I talked about last week. Those guys are going in the fourth round, but I think they're going to be up there with the RB1s maybe just high-end RB2s. But if you're going to get them in the fourth round, you're not going to take them in the second round. So that's where ADP really kicks in. You're looking for guys that you can get throughout the draft. But once you get down to the bench, you're really only taking those guys that you're having that gut feeling about. You know, this you think this guy is going to go off. You think this guy is going to be a sleeper. And we're going to break down who you're really taking in this group because at this point in the draft – and. This is something I've been saying to my friends and the people close to me who have been asking for fantasy advice is that when I was making these rankings, the running back position was a lot deeper than I thought in terms of who's really a bell cow back, who's playing in a committee. And it's about like 20, 25 teams that really have that bell cow, that workhorse back that you're looking for in fantasy football. So now we're really getting in. At starting with my thirty-fifth spot in my rankings, these are kind of just second-string guys that you know they may perform. They may play in a, a system where it's uh, two running backs, maybe even three. Maybe you're looking for that third down back that's going to get the PPR points. But these are all second-string guys. No, I don't think there's any starters really past this point, on the, or that are going to be starting week one, to be more exact. So you're taking these guys with the gut feeling that they could have a breakout year that they might have a there might be an injury to the starter and this is where they slide in. But that's going to bring me into my first topic and I want to go over the handcuffing strategy because it's one that I've never really been able to wrap my head around. You know, like I said, there's only 15 picks in the draft unless you're in a much deeper league or a dynasty league. I know my dynasty league's probably going to be around 18 to 19 picks. But I'm not really so sure. I want to waste one of my bench spots on a guy that you're only relying on because his starting running back goes down. Perfect example, say I take Josh Jacobs in like the 4th or 5th round. And then I come down to like the the 10th, maybe 11th round, and I'm not going to take Kenyon Drake there because I-, I just don't see a need for it. I'm not taking a guy that I'm going to have to really think about holding on to them throughout the season because knowing most people's luck, the second you drop that guy, the starter is going to go down, and then you just wasted a draft pick, wasted a guy that you're not really so high on. So what do you do? You're take I'm looking in these first between the thirty-fifth guy on my rankings and the forty fifth. These are all guys that I feel that they're just like a quality bench piece to have. You know, they're not gonna be the handcuff that you want, but definitely if you're if you're in a situation where you can scoop up one of these guys and maybe take away another guy in your league's handcuff. Maybe their starter goes down, and this is a guy you have on the roster. Uh, this is where you end up winning the draft. So who am I looking for in this round? I'm looking for guys like Gus Edwards, who I have at 36. James Connor on the Cardinals. Uh, A.J. Dillon, another guy. I'm not taking Aaron Jones in my dra- I'm not taking Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but if I could get A.J. Dillon later on because I have him ranked number 40 in my draft. I'd love that. Leonard Fournette, even, if Ronald Jones and him are split in time and then he emerges as the starting back. And then Tony Pollard, who I talked about a couple weeks ago, he's a guy you could get later on in the drafts. And then if Zeke were to go down, then you have the uh, certified RB2 or flex position guy. But a guy I really wanted to focus on, and I think this is going to be a fantastic pick. In most drafts. I actually have a mock draft pulled up. I'm going to look for him now. But uh, Jarek McKinnon. or No, J.D. McKissick. I always get those two mixed up. J.D. McKissick, Washington football team running back. This guy was a PPR stud last year. You know, he was a guy that would come in. Really just be a a third down back receptions target monster. He's got Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to him. And he's a guy that loves the check down. Uh, he went in the 13th round of this 10-man mock draft I have pulled up. So that's what you're looking for in these later rounds are guys that are just going to come out and per- he, he can perform if you need to throw him in on as a flex play on a bye week. If Antonio Gibson were to go down, which he did last year, for, he was out for about two to three weeks, J.D. McKissick was a stud. You know, he was putting up huge numbers in those, those weeks when – Uh, Antonio Gibson was down. So the later you can get these guys, the better Uh, a guy like all these guys really 10th round to 13th round in this mock draft. Maybe you take them in that range. Like I said, you're not really relying on ADP. So if JD McKissick's a guy you really want, maybe you take him in the 11th round. Next category I have on this list is like a deep sleeper kind of category. And, you know, I only have four guys on here because I had to move Daryl Henderson out of it and up in the rankings after the Cam Akers injury. But these are guys that I think are going to get overlooked in the mock draft I have pulled up. These, some of these guys went undrafted. But these are guys that have the chance to play a significant role regardless of whether the starter goes down or not. I have these guys ranked as deep sleepers in the 46 to 49 range. And what that means to me is they're going to be a flex guy at worst. You know, hopefully you take one of them and they pan out where you can throw them into the flex position if need be. Maybe if your running backs are on a bye, this is a guy that you can fit into the lineup if they have an easy matchup. And you're not really worried about dropping them because, you know, you're taking them so late in the draft that you don't really need to invest too much into them and if there's a guy on the waiver wire that's playing better you could pick him up and drop him but i can really see guys like trey sermon who i have at 46 and kenneth gainwell who i have at 48 on the philadelphia eagles they could potentially step up and take the starting jobs from their respective running backs in that room and that, that'll give them the chance to put up the rb2 numbers or the possibly rb1 numbers it always happens in fantasy football. You know, Raheem Mostert's been on San Francisco for a while now. He's They might go with a little bit of youth once Trey Lance comes in. Miles Sanders on Philly didn't really perform that well last year. So they drafted Kenneth Gainwell, and now he's got the shot to play really well. I also have Jamal Williams at 47 and Tariq Cohen at 49. I spoke about both of them briefly in previous episodes, but... Like McKissick, Tariq Cohen's gonna be a guy that's a PPR specialty. Like that's his niche on the team. And then Jamal Williams, a guy that can really take the goal line carries away from DeAndre Swift out in Detroit. And just finally, if the now I'm looking I said that's the top fifty in my rankings. So in when I did the mock draft a few weeks back, I took maybe six running backs in my top fifty. So now we're at a point where you're at the end of the draft. If the opportunity is there and you want to really just take an extra guy at that running back position, you're looking for someone in this category. And this is just the right place, the right time category. So what that really, what I really have that means is you're taking this guy as your last pick before your kicker and your defense. You're taking these guys with the shot that they're not going to, be the end all, be all on your team. They're really just a guy that if they pan out, they pan out. If they're if by week two they're only putting up like five points a game, not even, you drop them and pick up the hot waiver wire commodity this that week, and you're not really worried about it because that's how fantasy football is. That's how football is. But these are some guys that you know they might play a little bit of a role. They're they're proven guys that have really stepped up when they've been needed. But if, an in- if a starter goes down, these are the guys that are going to fly off the waiver wire the Wednesday after the game. And I'm looking for guys in this scenario that their offense, the way the team runs their offense, they're going to really benefit from having the opportunities of their workhorse starter. So I'm looking at guys like Alexander Madison on Minnesota with Dalvin Cook, who's been an injury-prone player. A couple weeks a year, he might sit out and Madison gets the start. Uh, Benny Snell on Pittsburgh if something happens to uh, Najee Harris. Like last year, I know he came in and played really well. Uh, Latavius Murray, even on uh, New Orleans, is another guy that I've seen do the same thing when Kamara's out. I have them all ranked outside my top 50, which means a lot of these guys might go undrafted. And, like, you're taking them in the 13th round at most because you're not really looking for ADP. If you're really set, though, on having a handcuff in your league, maybe maybe you take Dalvin Cook in the first round and you want Alexander Madison. Maybe you take Najee Harris and you want Benny Snell. By all means, do it. But this is the time to do so, not in the later rounds when you can get a guy... Like like a Damian Harris and you take a James White, you're not going to do that. You're going to do something more along the lines of that, like what what I'm talking about right now. Even Chuba Hubbard out in Carolina, if Christian McCaffrey's is not 100% still, he's another guy I could see going in this range. But overall, you're only looking for two or three guys out of these 35 to 50 rank, range in the rankings. Uh, you're taking them as late as possible in the draft. You're not really worried about your ADPs at this point. You're just taking the guys because think about it. You could take a, there could be a guy with the, in the 11th round that has a 13th round ADP, and you're gonna wait on him, and someone's gonna scoop him up in the 12th round, and then you just lost your pick that you thought you had in the bag. Um, another way I just say really just keep their opportunities in mind, you know. I think a guy like Trey Sermon, Kenneth Gainwell, like those guys have an opportunity. J.D. McKissick, A.J. Dillon, they have an opportunity. Latavius Murray, Alexander Madison, all these guys have an opportunity that's presented to them. They're going to perform really well. That's why they're in the NFL. Tony Pollard, I'll even throw in that. I'm just looking through my rankings for the names. And just overall, you got to trust your gut. You know, this is not, it's the draft. It's, you're taking flyers on guys. You don't you're going in blind. You don't know what their coaches, what their team's looking to do this season. So you're really just taking the risk. Be as risky as possible in these late rounds because it's guys you're gonna you could drop week two and not feel bad about. And yeah, that's just the strategy I go in with. It's pretty much the same with wide receivers as well. You're taking a guy that oh, I think this guy's gonna be really good. There's no numbers that are supporting that you should take this guy in this spot. It's really just your gut feeling. But just some breaking news to end off this week's show. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. But Michael Thomas, uh, the star receiver, Slant Boy on the New Orleans Saints. And we call him Slant Boy because he's known for his slant routes. But we'll talk about him a lot more later on. But he's going to start the season, season on the pup list. He's injured right now. The timetable for him right now is a little iffy. He's They're saying three to four weeks. Could potentially be like ten weeks with Michael Thomas. It's what he did last year. Aaron Rodgers reported to camp. We mentioned last year he tweeted out one more. Then there was the last dance picture with him and Devontae Adams. So Aaron Rodgers will be at camp. It looks like one of his final years in Green Bay, if not his last. But he's going to play this season. So take everything I said about Aaron Rodgers up to this point. Throw it out the window. Draft him as a top five quarterback this year. The Packers also, to maybe sweeten up Aaron Rodgers right now, they traded for one of his favorite targets of all time, Randall Cobb, who's back on the Packers from the Houston Texans. And speaking of Houston, we'll go to our next guy, Deshaun Watson, who's officially back on the trade block. And Houston's asking for a lot. They're asking for three first-round picks from the team that trades for him. He's still got a lot of allegations and investigations going on with the uh, charges that were against him earlier this year, but I think it still makes him a risky pick because by week one in the season, it's not going to be resolved. I think he'll stay in Houston because a lot of teams know that, and they're going to not waste their future on a guy that can end up on the commissioner's exempt list by week three. So if Deshaun Watson is going to play, he's going to play in Houston, He's still a great quarterback, but I think the team around him drops his value a little bit. And the allegations against him, this guy could be out of the lineup any week, so I still think he's a risky pick. You take him as a backup, maybe if you take him as a starter, he's... You get a guy later on that's gonna really come in and perform for you. But this news is gonna it's not gonna be resolved anytime soon, and Every week, we're just going to have a lot more of the news coming out on the situation. And we'll bring that all to you here on the show. But next week, we're going to focus on the wide receiver position. And instead of just reading off rankings like I've been doing, we're going to break it down team by team, see who's got an offense that you want to buy into, that you want to find sleepers on, that you want to take a guy as your wide receiver one. All of that in next week's episode here on Fantasyland. Once again, I'm Michael Fumafredo, and this is the only show where we talk about all the players that the experts won't. Keep an eye out on our social medias and stuff. We're going to be posting a little bit more as the season gets going on, where it's daily news breaking, waiver wire pickups. But before draft season starts, this is where you're going to get your information. Hope to see you next week here on Fantasyland.